Good morning, church. How's everyone doing today? Hope some of you got some rest after traveling either multiple times yesterday or a long time this morning. You got to love New England, huh? I, I sure do. I'm thankful that God has placed us in this place. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm not a sports nut. You can turn me down just a little bit so I don't get feedback. Uh, I love playing sports. I enjoy playing sports, but I'm not so great at being, uh, what's it called? An, an expectator, no, but there's another word I wrote out, being a fan. I'm terrible at being a fan. I'd rather play baseball, soccer, football, tennis, which I haven't done, but whatever. Um, whatever it is, I want to play. And, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. For my folks who are watching online, you're not here, but for me and all of us here, I just want to embrace you, give you a hug, virtual hug. We love you. Thank you for watching. Say hello, chat. Say hi to the group of people who are there. We are excited that you're with us. And um, make sure you communicate with one another, encourage one another as you hear me preach, and we're here together in the morning. So, again, back to my craziness. You know, I'm all over the place. You can ask Sharon. When you have some time today or maybe during the week, you can feel free to call her and check how crazy I am. You can talk to Pastor Brian. I don't know why I'm still here. Because um, I'm crazy. They love me. That's what he says. Um, but I'm not a great fan when it comes to sports. I'm terrible at it, but I enjoy playing it. I enjoy doing it. And today I'm going to try to reach into that team this morning of sport. And what I call, and I can see you see in the screen, what I call my message this morning is play to the whistle. All right. Okay. Oh, oh it went through the button. No. Hold on. You know, this coach is already having a rough morning. Um, uh, there it is. All right. You want me to blow it? Should I? Uh, I cover the mic. If not, you guys would gone there. But there are many sports that play to the whistle. There's coaches, referees that play to the whistle. There's soccer, there's football, um, there's basketball. They have busters and stuff. But there's many other games that I don't know a lot of other games, but there are other games that I assume that they play to the whistle. And the whistle indicates when the game starts, a whistle indicates when there's a foul, a whistle indicates to stop, and a whistle, when it's blown, indicates that the, end has, the game has ended or that play has ended. Following me? Good so far? Awesome. I don't know if any of you were part of a losing team. How unashamedly, humbly would say you're part of a losing team. I was part of this football team in high school that, for the life of me, I can't remember when we won. <laughs> I really can't. We played hard. We went to practice. We did summer practices. We hit the gym. We did everything. We played, played. But I can't remember uh, probably a couple times three or four, uh, three more likely, and then as I think about it, it just declines by the minute, uh, that we won. There were very few times that we won, but our, we had a tough coach that regardless of how our performance was happening, the coach always challenged us to play to the last buzzer or to the whistle, going into the last few seconds with everything we got. 
This morning, I want to take a look at a familiar story in the Bible. If you're new to faith or you're learning, I encourage you to go home or when you're home right now, uh, read it, read through it after the sermon. But I encourage you, read it. Don't just take my word. I'm going to kind of summarize the story and hit major points of it. But the story that we're going to be taking a look at is found in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses And we're going to be basically jumping from verse 1 to verse 26. It's about these two main guys, Elijah and Elijah. And Elijah was this amazing prophet who did incredible things to the Lord. And he had a mantle on him. And the mantle wasn't such a big deal, but it represented God's presence. It represented God's anointing. It represented that God was with him and that he was being used by God. So Elijah is this man of God, this prophet who is doing God's will. And Elijah is like, myself under Pastor Brian, myself, Pastor Brian under Pastor Joe, or various, somebody going up to be in the ministry, somebody that's pursuing God, and he's learning from Elijah. So Elijah is following Elijah everywhere. You might get confused with Elijah, Elijah. Elijah is the main prophet. Elijah is following him. Sha, yeah, whatever. Um, so Elijah is following Elijah around. And he's trying to learn from him. And he's trying. And he realized that he doesn't, Elijah realized that, oh my goodness, Elijah's about to be taken from the Lord, to the Lord. Because Elijah is this incredible God that God spoke to him, said, you're not going to die on this earth. I'm actually going to take you up to heaven. So he didn't die a natural death. He was taken up. And Elijah knew this was going to happen. So as he's following, at a given point, he says, I want that. I want what you have. I want your anointing. I want your coat, meaning a representation of I want God's anointing. I want God's double portion. I, got one, I want God to bless me, Elijah was saying to Elijah. And as you will see, it's so wonderful. And let me say this um, real quick, just right at the beginning. Lots of people want to be close to God, but really a lot of people just want to be close to the man of God. Lots of people want to be close to God, quote-unquote, but a lot of people just want to be close to the man of God. Don't get me wrong. We all individually need coaches. I sure have plenty of them. Pastor Joe, Pastor Forrest, Mama Jeannie, and many others in between from teachers to counselors, psychologists who are encouraging me and leading me and teaching the better way of the gospel in many other avenues. So we all need that. We all need to have that Paul and Timothy relationship. It's wonderful. But the reality is that few want to play the, few want to pay the price of being close to God, so they rather focus on being close to the man of God or that pastor or that leader or whoever. It's not much of a sacrifice or a price to pay to follow a person or a guy than it is to pay a price to surrender all to God in order to follow him. Elijah and Elijah are in this journey, and now we know that Elijah wants to be close to God. He wants this double portion. He wants this anointing. So I'm going to walk us down through various cities that both Elijah 
Elijah and Elisha went through, uh, because again, you see that Elisha communicated to Elijah, I want it. But scholars and um, scholars and historians who say that after that was known that there was at least two more years where Elijah still stayed alive and Elijah was following him. So if I was Elijah, I don't know about you, but if I was Elijah, I wouldn't sleep very well. <laughs> I'm like, where's Elijah? <laughs> like, I, where, where's, I, because the promise was, Elijah said, you can have this, but you got to see me be taken up. You can have this, my mantle, you can have this, my, but you have to be present when the Lord takes me to heaven, when I'm translated. So if I was Elisha, I'd be going crazy. Where are you? He's using the bathroom. I'll be talking through the entire time because I didn't want to miss it. So Elijah is following Elijah for these two years, and he's just following him, believing, because he doesn't want to miss what God has for him. He has to be with him. So it wasn't a short trip, and he was walking faithfully with him. And throughout the story, there's a few phrases that we'll take a look at this morning, and there's a few cities that they went through. But there is this phrase that we use, that they use in the story. In the King James, it says, Terry here. Terry here. In the New American, New International Version, it says, stay here. The Hebrew word is yeshab. Yeshab, meaning to dwell, remain, to sit, abide, to sit down, to be set, to remain, to stay. So Elijah is telling Elijah, who's following him for these two years in these various um, cities, yeshab, stay here, sit down, stop following me. He says, yeshab. Stay here, don't follow me. Don't go after me. Sit down, dwell here. Terry here. And I want to translate this Terry here business into what I deal with as a Christian man, um, in, including as a pastor. Just because I'm up here doesn't mean I'm any better than you. I have struggles, I have headaches, I have false thinking, I have mindsets that I also have to defeat. So being a pastor does not remove me from the same struggles that you go through, any of us. So please, don't place us in a pedestal. Don't think that we're better because... <laughs> We are not. Just hang around me long enough. You'll see how crazy I am and how much I need Jesus. But what I'm saying is that, you know, in this Terry business, we all have temptations. We all have failures. We all have things that we wrestle with. And my thing, my temptation is when things are going well for me, I tend to coast a little. When God is speaking through me, I tend to relax a little. And what I mean by that is when God is using me to speak directly to a given situation or encourage one of my students or take a phone call at one in the morning and be present and be able to encourage this kid that's going through a breakup, none of here, somebody else. Um, so you don't have to worry. Parents, don't worry about your kids. I'm talking, yeah, whatever. Um, so... In those moments when I feel God is using me, it's when I tend to, in my temptation, to coast a little. So what do I mean by that? I don't read my Bible as much. I don't pray as much. Why? Everything's going well. 
He's blessing me to be a blessing, so why do I necessarily have to fight for my relationship with him? Why do I necessarily need to work in this thing called Christianity and relationship with him? So in those moments, for me, that is what the Terry means for me, what it looks like in my life. Um, so if you're like me, you might understand that Terry business inside of you. You understand that feeling of not playing to the whistle, not pushing yourself to continue to read your Bible because everything's going well or when everything's going crazy. <laughs> the funny thing is either or. For some of us, when everything's going well, we forget God. Or when everything's going cr crazy and insane, we run away from God instead of running to him. So in the good times and the bad times, I want to encourage you, run to God. But this is what it looked like Terry here. This is what Terry here business looks like for all of us. And God will lead you and direct you. But we have to follow him. We have to surrender him in the good times and the bad times. So here we see that Elijah is telling Elijah, Terry here, Yashabat, stay here, sit down, don't follow me. But the reality is that we all can get, just like Elijah was challenging that inside of Elijah, the reality is that for all of us, there can get a lazy, we can get lazy and apathetic in our walk with Jesus. And we can only be led, or we only want to be led by emotions, and, when we and we decide to coast, and we do this staring here business. There's a quote from a coach that I, share with, uh, that I want to share with all of us this morning, and it goes like this. One of hell's biggest lies is that you can stand still in your pursuit of Christ and that he won't cost you. I'll read it again. One of hell's biggest lies is that you can stand still in your pursuit of Christ and it won't cost you. Meaning that you can put your life on cruise and chill and it's not a big deal. So the reality is that we can't do that. That's the lie of the enemy. We need to be actively pursuing and walking in our relationship with Jesus. That doesn't just mean doing but also, like PV said in the invitation, of being and resting and being in silence and listening to God. That doesn't just have to be about doing, doing, because we are so good about doing in America. We also need to learn how to be in God. And sometimes we don't want to be in God because it means we might have to wrestle with the things that are in our hearts. So can when I challenge you this morning? Instead of just always doing, doing, can you start walking in this journey in your Christianity to actually pause and be with God? To allow him to actually deal with the awesome parts and the brokenness inside of your heart? Because, man, believe me, it's so much worth it. The results at the end is so much worth it. Will it look messy? Would it be painful? Let me warn you in advance. Yes. Yes, it will be painful. It will be costly. But man, the results, the freedom that you get out of it. 
So let's continue through the city. So Elijah went through, Elijah and Elijah are on this journey, and they're going through various cities. And again, that word that we, I said that I mentioned, you hear that word, Yashabab, Yashabab, stay here, sit down, don't follow me. And I truly believe that Elijah didn't want Elijah to coast, but Elijah knew inside of him something that A.W. Tolster wrote in one of his books. He says, God never uses a man or a woman he can easily get rid of. And you will hear me mention that again. So I think Elijah was saying, if Elijah stays and doesn't follow me, then he doesn't deserve that which he's asking for. But Elijah didn't. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, Elijah went to Elisha and went with Elijah from Gilgal. Gilgal. You see, in Bible times, many of the names that you see in Bible times throughout the Old Testament have deep meanings. Not all of them, but many of them have deep meanings and meant a whole lot to the people. When they heard it, there were stories connected to it, there were meanings connected to it, and Gilgad was one of those. One of this. Gilgad means my sin has been removed. Gilgad means rolled away. So my sin has been rolled away. You can see that in a story in Joshua. My sin has been rolled away. Gilgad, I think, is the point at which you and I experience salvation. It's where you and I are saved. It's when we decide whether in a church service or in a small group or in a given place, we said, God, I realize that I need you. God, I want you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. That's your guilt, God. So Elijah and Elijah went to this place of guilt, God. Your sin has been removed. And again, Elijah said to him, Terry here. Here's an issue I want to point out. Our human nature is to stay a Gilgad. Remember that Gilgad is, my sins have been removed. So it's just that salvation point of your life. Our human nature is to stay at that salvation point, at that Gilgad. I don't want you, church, or myself to stay at Gilgad. There are so many brothers and sisters who are satisfied in just staying at Gilgad. Their salvation experience, and they never move on. They're happy knowing that they're not going to hell, which I don't blame them. That, I don't want to go there either. That's a well-motivating reason. But the reality is a sad way because there is so much more in God. There is so much more in the God of the universe, the God who created. There is so much more that we can walk and learn and walk in union and in freedom than just the salvation of knowing that I'm not going to hell. And church, the reality is that God decides for you and me to move beyond that, to grow deeper in him, to have a deeper relationship with him. So Elijah is challenging Elijah, stay here again, sit down, Jeshabah, don't move from here. And our connection for us this morning is that sometimes as Christians, sometimes as believers, sometimes when we come to Christianity, we don't want to move beyond the salvation point because we get comfortable here. 
And the sad part about that is that if that's where you want to be for the rest of your life, you will always take three steps forward and take two steps back in your journey with God. If you only stayed in that guilt, God, in that salvation point of your life, you will always take three steps forward and two steps back. And you won't progress too much in your journey. Proverbs 132 says that your own complacency will kill you, you fools. Whoa, God. <laughs> your own complacency will kill you, you fools. This is apathy. This is our own contentment, my own indifference, my own spiritual laziness causes this. And Proverbs says to me that I'm a fool if I don't move forward, if I don't move beyond the point. If we act like Christianity, if we act like this Christianity thing is not a big deal, we will continue to stay stuck in the same areas for the rest of our lives. We have salvation, don't get me wrong, but we will never grow in that maturity. So with that being said, oh, let me drink. With that being said, I'm, that's why I'm so excited about small groups, that we're starting small groups this February. I want all of you, and you who are watching online, I want you to be here in person this Wednesday. Are we starting this Wednesday or next? This Wednesday. Awesome. So I want you to be here. Show up, because there's something amazing that's going to take place in those small groups. There's something wonderful. What's going to happen in those small groups as you going to dive deeper into this sermon this Wednesday. You are going to build connections with one another. You're going to meet people that you haven't met in a while. You're going to share your wins and your losses, your hurts, and guess what? God is going to use your wins, your strength, and your weaknesses to challenge and grow those in that small group. So your words, when you think you're insignificant, your story is going to challenge somebody in that small group for them to grow deeper in a relationship with God. So that's why I'm so excited for us to start doing small group. And I really want to encourage you online and you in this place to come, to show up this Wednesday, because there is going to be life that we've been missing. And we are going to grow as a community. Amen? You know one thing, church, that so many of us have been hurt. So many of us have been broken by people. But guess what's God's strategy to heal you? It's through people. We've been hurt in community, so guess where you're also going to be healed? In community. And it takes humility, and it takes openness, and it takes engagement from us as a body, as a church, to actually work this out and see healing take place in the inner parts of our lives and in those around us so we can be like Jesus. Jesus prayed for all of us in John 17, 21, and I'm part of a group that this is what we do basically in that group. And he says this, that he, they may be all one just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in you, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. One of the many signs that us as Christians can demonstrate to the world that we are Christ's followers is by the way we love one another, encourage one another, forgive one another, and live with one another. 
He says, God, that they may be one with each other just as you and I are one. What a relationship. What a wonderful thing that God calls his body to, that we will be in relationship. So again, with no hesitation, I really encourage you and challenge you. Try to clear your schedule. If you can make it this Wednesday, make sure in the future you can clear your schedule on Wednesdays. And then as more groups are going to happen and we go homes and whatever exciting things happen in the future, make it a priority. Make it a priority. If you have to skip Sunday, which we don't want you to, but make sure that you go to smokers. Make sure that you are part of it because there's going to be life there. You're going to dive deeper into that sermon that was given, and you will be transformed. In church, we are going to be a better individuals demonstrating God's love and God's truth to the world around us. So I challenge you to be there. All right, let me continue. So in our pursuit of God times, we tend to crash. Things don't work out sometimes the way you and I expect them to do. Sometimes it's the inside of us that stay here, don't play to the whistle moment, and we want to coast. But I love what Elijah responded to Elijah. I love what Elijah responded to Elijah every single time that Elijah said, Yashabah, stay here, sit down, don't follow me. Elijah said, as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. Meaning, I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to sit here. Church, I know that many of you have gone through and are going through hard circumstances. Many of you have lost hope. Many of you don't want to fight anymore. But my prayer for all of us this morning is that the spirit of the living God will place this inside of you just like it was in Elijah. That I, as long as the Lord lives, I'm not going to stay here. That's my prayer for you and I. That regardless of the circumstances that you're facing right now, regardless of the pain, that God right now in this moment, that the Spirit of the living God will come inside of you and place something, will place this God, will place this burden inside of you that you say, I'm not going to stay here. I want more. I'm going to follow after him. I'm going to grow. I'm going to see the other side. And that you pursue after the Lord God Almighty. Continue to the cities. The next city they went on to was Bethel. Bethel, meaning I have met God face to face. I have met God face to face. Bethel was a place in the Old Testament where Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord until he was changed. That's what Bethel. He wrestled, Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord until he was changed. Everyone today, or nowadays, more and more, I hear that them say, I want character. But when was the last time, church, you stayed on your knees and you wrestled for it? When was the last time you cried out to God privately? Not just here, because you can do it here and be very religious and God sees through all that. But when was the last time you cried out to God when nobody was watching? When nobody would say, oh my goodness, you're a wonderful man of God and woman. But in the privacy of your home, in the privacy of your work, in the when was the last time you had that burden and you cried before the Lord? 
and you spoke to him, and you allow him to change you and transform you? Or do we just show up so God can make us feel good, check up the box, I went to church, I did this, I feel like I'm a good Christian, people watch me, I'm praying. Is that the reason? What's your motive? Challenge your motive. We, you and I, need to have this burden to desire to spend time and to meet and have those battle moments. When was the last time you had your battle moment with God? If you read the story, which is a whole complete account, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And for the rest of his life, because he wrestled with God, his hip was touched, and it was out of place. And he, re- he lived the rest of his life with a limp. Church, I believe that God desires to place a spiritual limp inside of you and inside of me that we can look back and say we were never the same. We were been changed forever because of those moments that we cried out and spent time in his presence. How long has it been? God desires to do that in you. If you and I really want to know God, there are multiple points in the privacy of our relationship that we need to wrestle with him and create this battle moment. How long has it been? Sometimes we are better at having services and attending church than we are at making those battle moments in the privacy of our lives. Church, is in the midst of our private battle moments that we will be transformed like Jacob from a deceiver to a blessing to being called Israel. Amen? Second Kings chapter 2, verse 4, again, Elijah says, Yeah, Shabbat, tarry here, stay here, sit down, don't follow me. Once again, that hunting voice in your mind to tell you to coast, to relax, to come off the offensive, to not play to the whistle. And again, I mentioned it early, but the reality of what I feel Elijah was doing to Elijah was this fact, this truth that God never uses a man or a woman that he can easily get rid of. God never uses a man or a woman that he can easily get rid of. Elijah was trying to see if Elijah would stay and not wait and not follow Elijah until he saw him ascending to heaven. And I don't think that God was trying to play games with you or him. But he does want to see your commitment. He does want to see my commitment to him. I forgot what, from who I got this call and who said it. In my journey of faith as I've been growing, I told you I have many coaches. But one of the quotes, I think it was Pastor Forrest, but I can't remember. One of the quotes he said is, salvation is free, but closeness to the Father is costly. Salvation is free, meaning you don't have to do anything. You just have to accept. But closeness to the Father requires a sacrifice. 
It requires for you to make some time. To, it requires for you and I to actually allow him to process things in our hearts. It requires for you and I to set time aside and actually seek him and spend time with him and practice being in the quiet and allow him to transform us. So I agree with that statement. There's no higher cost that has been paid than our Lord Jesus Christ crucified on the cross for you and for me. He did that because he loved us. He did that because God is in the business of reconciliation. That's what God's in the business for. And reconciliation with him. Not just with one another. Reconciliation with him. That's why he paid That's why he sent his son. That's why Jesus paid with his life. So we could have relationship with the Father and growing him and be with him. Can we accept that invitation to be close with him this morning? The cause that I'm talking about might actually give might actually mean that you have to give him control of our lives and everything we have. It might mean that we might need to wrestle with the pain that we so often have put on the side and not dealt with. And it might mean that we actually need to walk in God's identity for us. Elijah and Elijah continue in their journey. So they went on to Jericho. And Jericho was the location of one's most strategic battle in the Old Testament. It's when... Joshua went to battle with Israel, and they walked around Jericho. And if you went to Bible school or you grew up in church, you definitely know some of the songs that were heard that Joshua walked and the, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. You probably, but if better if the place that God meets us, that we meet with God face to face, then Jericho is the place that we meet the enemy face to face. By our Bible, the Bible, God's Word, is filled with facts and filled with faith. And let us, let us know in Ephesians 6-2 that for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present day, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We have a real enemy that wants to destroy us. If I ask you when was the last time you faced your Jericho, you might look at me like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. Because majority of us, the devil won't be showing up in person to wrestle with us. But can I tell you the place that the enemy does show up to mess with us? It's right here. He comes in our mind. He comes in our head. All the enemy has to do is play mind games with you and I. Each of us have different mind games that the enemy will try to cause, and the enemy will always whisper lies. He will make you see something that somebody's doing out of a genuine motive to see it through a negative one. Oh, they just want something from me. Or you will hear somebody or me speaking gentle and soft like this in our conversation or in our arrangement, whatever, and you're annoyed at me. And all you hear is me screaming at you, even though the entire time I was talking normal. The enemy changes what you hear. The enemy changes your mindset. Or he gives you a negative lens to see life or everything that's happening in your life through. Those are the mind games. 
So if you and I do not capture our thoughts like the Bible declares, then we will allow the enemy to have a field day in our minds, and we will have lost the battle of Jericho before we even face it. This is a great quote. What happens in you is a whole lot more important than what happens to you. What happens in you is a whole lot more important than what happens to you. We have to take control of our minds. Then Elijah and Elijah continue. Again, he says, Terry here, Yashaba, sit here, stop following me, just goes here, settle here, don't play to the end of the whistle, don't play to the whistle. This is the third time. And five of the most important words in the Old Testament are here in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 6. And the two went on. And the two went on. This is a big deal. People, can people say that about you and me? Can people say that about you and me in our journey with God? Can people say that we are the individuals that have gone on with God? The two went on. Can we be individuals that go on with Jesus? The truth is that we can make leadership a title thing, something we do, or something that the letters that are in front of our names or behind our names. But the reality is for many of us, we are in far more reaching leadership level because of the consistency of how we pray, how we study our Bible, how we rest in God, how we stay close, and you decide to go on. You are more than a leader than somebody with multiple titles. There are so many people who don't play to the whistle. Their spiritual life with Jesus. They don't fight through having that battle moment nonetheless when the enemy comes. Church, can we decide to be the type of people that go on with Jesus? Gold medals, champion moments are few and far between fulfilling in life. It's about finding the victories in a common everyday moment. I think I have that slide. Gold medals and champion moments are far few in between, but fulfillment in life is about finding the victories in the common everyday moment. I'm going to invite the worship team as I'm taking a little bit too long. Our last location that they went on in chapter, in verse 7, was the Jordan. The Jordan. The point of no return, the Jordan. If you read the story when you go home, you see that Elijah does get what he's been asking Elijah for. He does get that which he's been praying for. He does see Elijah go to heaven. He does see it. So he received the mantle. But he needed to go through this point of the Jordan of the point of no return. The point of no return. I wrote this with tears last night um, as I was relooking and working on the message. My family, my church, as we reach the point of no return with Jesus, have we walked this journey with Christ to the point that we say, regardless of what happens 
in me, regardless of what happens around me, whether in riches or in nothingness, in poorness, whether in health or in brokenness, whether the world is in peace or in chaos. Have you and I reached the point of no return in our journey with God? Have you and I decided that I'm going to follow Jesus regardless of what happens around me? Regardless if my life turns out wonderful or the rest few years are headaches. Have you and I have gone through the point of no return? Have we faced our Jordan? Have we gone through the Jordan? Has your walk with Jesus cost you something? To the point that you won't be willing to throw it away. Because the price you pay and you surrender everything is so costly that you say, I can't walk away from this. I invested too much. I paid too much. I've been broken too much that I have to stay with the master. That I have to stay with Jesus. Have you and I, in our journey with God, have said, that there's a point of no return, meaning that you won't turn your back on him, but that you will follow him. Mother Teresa loved unconditionally. She was a she was Jesus with skin on, and she said many play to the whistle things before she left the earth. And to, this morning, as you head home, the ushers in the back they're gonna give you this printout that I that I created for you but this is what she said one of those play to the whistle things you're often people are often unreasonable illogical and self-centered forgive them anyway if you are kind people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives be kind anyways if you are successful you will win some false friends and some true enemies succeed Anyways, if you're honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank. Anyways, what you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build. Anyways, if you find serenity and happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy. Anyways, the good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good. Anyways. Give the world the best you have, and it might never be enough. Give the best you got. Anyways, you see, finally, analyzing it, it's between you and God. It was never between you and them. Can we be people that we do things unto God? Can we be people that play to the end of the whistle. When the final trumpet sounds and we are transformed into a new body, we are reunited with our amazing Lord. If you're watching online and you need to accept Jesus and want to start that journey, communicate with one of the hosts. If you're in this place and you want to recommit your life and surrender everything to Him once again, come to these altars. We're going to pray with you. 
if you need Jesus to put the fight back into your spiritual life of saying, God, I'm done coasting. God, I'm done sitting down. I'm not going to Jashabah. I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to stay here, tarry here. God, I'm going to pursue after you come to this altar and surrender to him and allow him to place the fight inside of you to grow in this spiritual journey, in this relationship with Him, and receive, repent, and receive the grace of God, and fight in this good fight.